What was that? An attack? <gasps> Enemy attack? I'm gonna head over to Hangar 2, okay? Understood. This is... The base is under missile attack from three directions! We were one step too slow. Enemy fighting strength? Can't determine. <gasps> Continue with the attack on the base. As soon as we've smoked out the enemy ship, we'll switch to mission plan SA-77. No escape. Welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that's given Double O a try. My name is Jeremy. I don't think I actually have a joke this episode. I've reached maximum plug depth. I'm Tyler. That kid's book is about half the size of that kid. My name is Zach. (laughs) I have one in my office that is probably that large. I've seen books. I've I've seen books. (laughs) I've had to work with books. That I swear weighed like 30 or 40 pounds and could kill a small dog if you dropped it on them. (laughs) I've showed you my pride and joy of useless books, yes. The 1959 or 58 Gazetteer of the World, which was basically just like Wikipedia articles and all the towns that humans know exist. I don't think you've ever shown that to me. Uh, Anyway, we are watching episode 36 of Gundam Double O today. Episode 11 of part 2, Double O's Voice. We're not actually halfway through the second part of Double O yet, but we're very close. We're in the middle of the second part of Double O, and that feels weird. It feels like we just started, and I'm not sure if that's the pacing of it so far, if it's just me that feels that way. It feels pretty middle to me. I think the reason for me that it feels like we're just getting started is that a major conflict is just getting started in this episode. Like, we've had, like, the side eye towards it for the last seven episodes but now it's actually coming to a head i think also part of it is that we've kind of just finished assembling the cast recently which is weird it took a while for that to happen well we're drawing battle lines right yeah like we're putting we're putting people on sides what i will say about the second half of double o is it's been way more interesting to watch than that same 11 episodes in the first half of double o so much stuff in in the first half of double out where it's like why why is this here again again it was like drawing lines which i kind of like i appreciate that as a thing they need to do but it could have been way more interesting well, than they made it part of the problem there i think is that in the first part of double out we had four five factions that had to have lines drawn so we ended up with this weird star looking thing whereas in this one it's we have basically we have sergey on his side the a-holes on another side and then celestial being on a different one it's weird too in that i found the multiple faction thing as a concept much more interesting i'm I'm not a huge fan of the just like there's two sides they're roughly the same side there are good memes and there are bad memes (laughs) <laughs> why has God abandoned us? Um, no, like, I'm not as huge a fan of the, like, Celestial Bean versus A-Laws dynamic. The innovators are in there, but they're basically just on the sa- side of the A-Laws, more or less. So I'm, like, not a huge fan of the dynamic, but the, like, it's just been so much better told and better pace in the second half. The premise of the first half of Double O sounds more interesting to me, but it is not as interesting being told. I think also the stakes are much more exciting in the second half. Because in the first half, the Gundams are pretty invincible. That's also, yeah, that's a good point, too. Well, and cast containment. Like, they're all in relatively the same place, so it's not just Soma interacts with Sergei and no one else. Or Graham interacts with Billy and no one else. Yeah, you get Soma and Saji talking and Soma and Louise talking, and those are both different and weird and exciting. That's actually pretty true. And I think also part of it is, like, Double O also has an edge up on, like, I already have context for these characters, and, like, I actively like a few of them already, so they don't have to sell me on that, I just already do. All right. Uh, Do we want to do last time on Double O? Uh, a space laser destroyed (laughs) Swille. Sweel. Sweel. Poor fuck, boys, there was a giant space laser. Why don't they just use, like, let's just drop something really heavy on it from orbit? Because that would create debris? Okay. Well, from what we saw in the last episode, there was an awful lot of debris there. 
I was going to make a justification for why a space laser might not be the dumbest idea compared to just dropping shit. And my problem is, the more I think about it, the more just using your space elevator to move shit up and then just <laughs> dropping it is actually just the better idea. So, because it's more dramatic, Zach. The only thing I can think of is that just dropping something heavy on it from orbit, you run the risk of missing atmosphere. I will also say, well, I guess to corroborate that you might miss, is like a rock has time that it takes yeah. to I was gonna fall. Say, you can intercept a rock, You right? can intercept a, a rock. A Gundam can blow up a rock. Probably. And the only way to stop the laser is to Unless destroy it. Unless it's a really, really big rock. Then Bruce Willis can destroy it. <laughs> like, but like the only way to stop the laser is to destroy the platform that it's on. But destroying the platform means that you're interrupting your solar power grid, which is bad for everyone. Did that have a significant draw on the solar power grid? Did people experience blackouts due to the death laser? <laughs> I don't know. That's questions this show's not going to answer. I think we can assume no, because quality of life has not been affected, right? We don't know that. Yeah, I said, I said we can assume. Not, it's true. That's fair. Yeah, and I, I think because the show doesn't go out of its way to tell us, probably that did not happen, but probably would have happened in a real power grid. Unless it's a wildly efficient laser. What if they have know. a capacitor in that laser, and they've been slowly drawing off the That's grid a good for point. a while? What if they got a specific laser battery? Yes. I mean, it would make some sense. Um, I was trying to think of another word that starts with M that I could use in the Memento Mori Mausoleum. No, that's nothing. Okay, anyway. Museum. The Memento Mori Museum. <laughs> a tribute to all the people we killed with a giant death laser <laughs> in memorial. The real answer is it's dramatic, and the fuckboys need to fight it now. The fuckboys are just going to destroy the platform, though, right? Which means fucking it depends up on how resilient that space laser is. If it's not too resilient, you could just destroy the uh, the lenses. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, I, there are ways you could sabotage it specifically, I guess. But I feel like lasers are no would be notoriously easy to sabotage. They super are. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Anyway, horror's there. Horror's great. Also, uh, what's what's new girl's name? Who's a new returner. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you said that, and it took me a moment to parse that it was a name, was a name and not a clarification you were asking. <laughs> <laughs> the new returner? <laughs> oh, and Revive Revival, Hilling Care. We have to say all the dumb names every time, right? Wait a minute. I think I think a new returner is actually a new lock-on. Oh, uh, what, what's Bring's last name? I Stabity. Looked, yeah, Bring's Stabity. Oh, my God. I forgot so about that. That is so dumb. <laughs> Oh, man, what if he was Chibity's brother? Then he'd be Chibity Stabity. Oh, that's going to be, I think that's going to be my next rogue name. Stabity. And bring you can be Stabity. Like, you can be my like, name is Stabity. My name is Bring Stabity. Either you bring me the treasure or I stab at thee. And he can be like, what? It's a real name. It's Japanese. <laughs> it's foreign. Again, we are watching episode 36, Double O's Voice. It is episode 11 of part two. You can watch along, if you like, on Crunchyroll or the DVDs or future streaming services that exist in 200 years that Mr. Bushido endorses. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was just trying to come up with a streaming service I that Mr. Trying to make, I was trying to think of a word for movie that starts with B, so it could be Bushido flicks, but a letter A, but there's not one. Bushido box office. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. I, I actually, feel like it would more be Box Office Bushido, but that's more of his YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to say, Box Office Bushido, if it only streamed samurai movies, right? <laughs> anyway. Or, all right, we begin with Marina babysitting, because that's what she's been reduced to. Well, it's not like she has a nation to run anymore. Babysitting the orphans, asking them what they want to do. And if the fat guy's like, I want to eat, and the kid's like, I want to go into space. And she's like, what about you, little girl? And she's like... I hope my mom and dad don't die, ironically. I hope my mom and dad didn't get vaporized by a space laser. And Marina's like, I thought you were all orphans. Didn't your mother and father be dead? And she's like, they're not dead. They're in Sweel. Now they're dead. <laughs> now I'm an orphan. Well, okay, to be fair, I could see, like, if they're part of the support network for Caderon, they could send their children away to be safer with the spy cell network, <laughs> I say out loud. <laughs> and to be fair, a lot of Catheron agents died in this attack, so it could just be, it should be bring your daughter to Catheron Day, I suppose. And they're like, you can stay with the orphans. It's not foreshadowing, and don't worry. It's not like the entire country got vaporized. They do mention that it was... The capital. The capital. That said, that's uh, that's a good chunk of it. But the way it's framed is, yeah, her 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 parents got vaporized. Poor child. Yeah, and 
Sergey was on the border of Sweel, and he can see the crater. He could walk up to it. So I think most of it got blown up. Well, Even though you are clo- correct about the Depends on saying. how close the capital is to the border, because some of them are awfully close. What if the capital is the only city in the country? What if it's just a city-state? Well, <laughs> It's goodbye. no longer in anything. Come Spe- to the crater. <laughs> Speaking of Sergey, we see he lived, despite Soma being worried about her dad. And despite the huge wall of debris that went past his Battleship? Tank? His land carrier. His sand crawler. That's a rather large hole. I do really like that there's, like, holes in the clouds where, like, the pressure hasn't been filled yet. Okay, now here's the most unbelievable part in this entire episode. Sanchez is all for this? Yeah, Aliel Sanchez is like, oh, you're going to put an end to war with this giant laser? I love it. Why? Why? This is so out of character. No, this fits for me. Sanchez loves big weapons. He's like, Gundams make war even better. Now, he wants both sides to have giant death lasers. Don't get me wrong. No, but- the, the problem is, he the, literally his next sentence is, with this, there won't even be a war. And, and yet, that, that defeats is, that is, his purpose. That is like his favorite thing in the world, Although, is war. He's already kind of been like, I got to get with the times changing, right? In the last season, he was like, I'm pretty sure we're not going to need mercenaries soon. That's so. fair. Uh, so anyway, he's like, war, huh? Pretty neat. And suddenly he's like, oh no, have I? am I the bad guy? I couldn't possibly be the bad guy. I can't guy. possibly be the baddies. It's... Yeah, it's watching her facial expression transition there is very interesting, and I wonder what we can read into that. Are we the baddies? Nah, we're not the baddies. <laughs> it's it's more like, oh no, how much did that cost? It's okay, I'm rich. <laughs> and besides, Louise is paying for it. <laughs> yeah, fair. How rich is Louise? Loaded. I mean, she was only the entire country of Spain. They can't be that much. A double it's, Bruce Wayne. It's... <laughs> Okay, that's a lot. Bruce Wayne made a space station. Uh, on a scale of one to Scrooge McDuck. No, he, she's not a Scrooge McDuck. She's not a Smaug, but she's number three. <laughs> Scrooge, Smog, Louise, Halavy. <laughs> yeah. Then Richie Rich and Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Where does Tony Stark fall on this list? Depends on what storyline we're in. Okay. Also, is it Marvel Ultimate Tony Stark? The one whose skin was in armor? Yes. Marvel uh, Ultimate Universe is dumb. (laughs) Ultimate Spider-Man was good, and that's a curse, because that means you have to put up with the Ultimate Universe. Otherwise, no one would care. Uh, Speaking of no one caring, Nina is still in the basement. She has been slapped by Sanchez, presumably, and also is into the giant death laser. Just so that we're all clear on who the bad guys are. Well, I mean, it's not at all surprising to me that Nina likes the giant death laser. That's like her shit. So I mean, yes, but we're just reinforcing that these are all genuinely terrible people. Her shit is death lasers. D-E-A-T-H-L-A-S-E-R-S. Although, I guess both her and uh, Sacha's have already been established as terrible people on Ribbons. You can make that leap. The big reveal there is that Chun-Li is definitely on board. Okay, so my question about Ribbons is... How much is he in this for the megalomania versus how much does he actually want to end war for, like, altruism? Ribbons doesn't want to end war for altruism. Ribbons wants to end war because that puts him in charge. Period. I'm wondering how much that's true, and I think the answer is quite a bit. But, like, I'm trying to remember some of his character motivations as far as they were presented in the first season. There are more. Yes, Alejandro. I'll do that for you, Alejandro. Yeah, I like to watch Alejandro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because really, this is Alejandro's plan also. Ribbons just was like, and now I'm Kefka. Also, Aelisha Henberg's plan. Yeah, although Schenberg, oh, I guess Schenberg did put himself in cryogenic stasis so that he could become overlord. Probably not his actual reason, but I'm going to pretend he was also a douchebag. I mean, he was definitely a douchebag, but I don't think he was evil. I think his alignment was just lawful douchebag. His was definitely on the scale of, uh, you know, road to hell and good intentions. I was going to actually say chaotic monocle, but... <laughs> no, he was he was lawful. He had a code and he was going to stick to it. That's fair. He is was lawful monocle. Lawful monocle. Okay, is maniacal monocle anything? Or is that too many syllables? No, it's like an e- it's, it's like an evil variation see i was going to say that's like a super villain for a knockoff avengers maniacal uh, monocle how about manic monocle i feel like that's better that sounds like a band <laughs> <laughs> yeah specifically british punk rock band yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> 
We get through the opening and cut back to Catheron's base, where Klaus is like, you're saying I'm in charge again because everybody above me was killed by a giant space laser. In the whole capital district. So and apparently it was only just a district. It wasn't even the entire city. But that's where they put all their uh, important faith buildings, so now they've lost the culture war. Klaus really doesn't like space weapons. Well, of course not, because he's on Earth. What's he going to do about it? Throw rocks. Cut up to good man and <laughs> good I man and the major. Was, I believe it was Arturo Bueno Hombre is what we decided this guy's <laughs> name was. Be good like, old Artie. Be like, you know what's good? Giant death lasers. With this, we'll put an end to the Gundams in no time. Then we cut from that back to the double O test. Remember how they were being tested at the same time? But the double O is about to run out of transam juice. <laughs> and as it does, Tiaria in the shower is like, huh, what that the was a weird fuck trip. was that? And then Alleluia is like, dude, what was that? I feel like I was talking to someone. That's weird. <laughs> and Mari is like, man, why did I tell the colonel to run away? Saji's going to think I'm weird. Well, I mean, to be fair... The only people that had reactions were the people who had quantum brainwaves at one point or another. Yes. And it was like, oh man, this is the coolest Gundam ever. Cut to the Vashtis are like, I, that was weird. Yeah, you know, it just occurred to me that Linda's last name is Vashti, and I... Probably. I just, it's weird to me that anyone would take Ian's last name. <laughs> I don't know why. But, but you don't know what her firmer last name was, right? That's fair. I don't. It's like maybe her last name was Loinsby. Loinsby, <laughs> Linda Loinsby. Yeah, and you're like, oh yeah, I get to change that. Marry yeah. me now. Honestly, this one kind of has has the uh, you know I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but when you have like Frank and then the weird names, Bob and Aerith. Yeah, Bob and Aerith. Okay, the, the Bob TV and Aerith because Ian and Linda are they're right next to Lasse <laughs> and a new and the new. <laughs> The innovators obviously named themselves, right? <laughs> there was no yes, way that's but, not what happened. I mean, I guess presumably Lasse is a code name because they all have code names. But at the same time, they're there next to Cujo. That's her last name. Her first name is Lisa. Is it really? Yep. Huh. They mentioned it earlier. Yeah, they even mentioned her middle name, which I don't think we needed, but it's well, there. She has a middle code name, too. I so. think it's okay, one of those things fair. that because they are right next to the, all the guys with the code names. It makes it seem a lot worse because now that you mention that, like, Sergei, that's a pretty normal name for, at least for a Russian. Or at least I presume it is. I'm not Russian, so what do I know? I'm, I'm American, and so Sergei is like the default Russian name. My experience in programming is that Vladimir is the most common goddamn name in the universe, so. So speaking of Lasse, we cut to him in the window room. The window <laughs> medical room. Where Sumeragi's like, hey, Lasse, uh, there's no HIPAA in the future. Certainly not in Celestial Being. So I was looking at your condition, and if you keep pushing yourself like this, you're going to get yourself killed. And Lasse's like, I'll worry about that. You worry about tactics or something. What exactly is Lasse doing to push himself right now? He's driving. <laughs> Look, also, no, there's totally HIPAA in the future, and even Celestial Being has HIPAA. It's just that... Because Sumeragi's his mom. Yes. Sumeragi's <laughs> team mom. She has access to all of that. But then Felt calls and is like, hey, there's something weird going on in the atmosphere. Maybe we should look into it. We might need tactics. So Mom's like, okay. Hey, Mom, we need you on the bridge now. And they're like, anyway, it looks like the ALOS invented a death laser to space the death laser some things. We I don't like have how Sumeragi, Anu, and Tiaria all look determined in that shot. But then you can see Milena behind them and she looks sad. If you think about it, Milena's 14. She probably has a very different view of the impact on this. Yeah, and I mean, before now, she really hasn't lost very much. Well, I'm saying Sumeragi's battle plan is, we gotta do something about this. Anu's battle plan is, I'm a spy, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think Anu is a spy? Like, that's a perfectly normal name, and she doesn't have a twin anywhere in the series. Wait, so, who's Anu's twin? Mr. Revival. Or Mrs. Revival. Who knows? For some reason, I just never realized that they were the oh a pair. I, I thought you did. Nope. Now, who is Brings? It's the real question. Yeah, we have not I seen another... We have seen him. Okay. He, I don't think he's been named yet. There was a shot with him in it. Oh, he's I wonder if their the name is one. as dumb as Bringstavity. <laughs> Probably. So yeah, Sumeragi's like, well, as soon as we resupply after this episode, we're going to blow up that space laser, because this is a Gundam show, and that's what we got to do. All hands to stations. And then uh, Terry's like, hold on, I got something to say. We're up against these dicks. 
Federation is being manipulated by a group that wants to take over the world. And Lassie's like, that sounds like a Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> and Lockin's like, I know I'm a spy, so how did you find out about this? And he's like, oh, remember when I went to that spy party? I found out that they call themselves Innovators. Cut back to Klaus. Cataron and Klaus being like, all right, so here's the plan. We are going to go blow something up. We have to destroy that laser. We have to try. So we are going to send all of our space forces to destroy that carrier. This has some very Star Wars vibes. At this point, all of our space forces consists of four dudes in a jeep. They have 23 <laughs> warships and 43 mobile suits. That's pretty good. That's almost... That's, a lo- that's actually a pretty large force. It's just... Where have you been hiding this? That's almost two mobile suits per warship, which is not a large number by my estimations. But... No, but where do they have 23 warships? That's a good question, actually. <laughs> we have seen Cataron Space Forces before, but they did not seem this large. Okay, so here's a logistical question. How's Cataron getting their shit to space... I presume they just have a space branch. They have stuff in space. I, I don't think they're the sending anything. Oh, okay. there, and I feel like they're just taking a page out of Lacus Klein's book and stealing all their mobile suits. I would think so as well, and the battleships probably. That makes sense. So Admiral Akbar's like, "Hey, it's a trap," and they're like, "Yes, but they do have a Death Star. So what are we gonna do? Not attack it? Let them destroy us with their giant death laser?" So. Apparently they called, tried to call Celestial Being, but the, but Celestial, Celestial Being, being left them on is out of service. No, the problem is Celestial Being is not within uh, their cell range out of Lagrange 3. They don't get service out there. They need a new provider. I'm just imagining Drunk Sumeragi recording a voicemail message. <laughs> My indelible past. Cotty, <laughs> is it you? Emilio. Beep. <laughs> Emilio! <laughs> Silence. <laughs> Beep. Back on the bridge, they are considering this information that Tiaria gave them off screen about the innovators being living terminals for Veda that are in control of Veda and being like, oh man, they must be the assholes who sent the Gundam Thrones after us three years ago and gave all those jinxes to the Federation. So we're uh, we're just plugging you into everything that you we've already been presenting in case you are a small child watching this, which, because that is our current target audience, you probably are. Hello, small child. How are you enjoying the genocides? So Lock-On's like, hey, so why didn't you tell us this before? I mean, to be fair, this actual information... Not really all that relevant. You'd want to know, though. Yes, but it's not like, oh my god, this is super important. But Tiari is like, they told me they were trying to continue Aeolia Shehenberg's plan. If that's true, we're heretics. And you know what they do to heretics in the future, guys. I mean, like I saw, <laughs> Tyler, you made that same joke. Yeah. But the literal definition of heresy is just difference in doctrine. Yeah, but they were making Aelia Shehenberg a religious figure, which t- for Tiaria makes total sense. I don't even think Setsuna is that into him. No, that's because Setsuna's religion is Gundam. Okay, so I was looking up who Bring's partner is. It's Divine, which is... Have we had Divine's name yet? Uh, I think Divine has been mentioned, but not Divine's full name. Divine Nova! I mean, that's pretty good. That's I mean, like, yeah, that, that one's actually pretty good. sounds like a decent uh, like code name. If there was an innovator's fighting game, I, Divine Nova is who I would pick out of them. <laughs> I don't know. Bring Stabity sounds pretty good. Um, also, he's the fighting type innovator <laughs> as opposed to the information gatherer type in- innovator. So we get a couple of protests from Mom and Alleluia about how, no, we can't possibly be heretics against Aelia uh, Shenberg's plan. And then Setsuna is like, yeah, so... I'm in charge now, apparently, and so I'm going to kill all the A-laws and kill and the innovators. I am the main character, and I'm very serious. I'm going to kill them all. Anyway, I started a new cult. It's called Gundam. <laughs> it's not really new. I'm just accepting members now. And Lasse is like, all right, sounds good to me, dude. And everybody's like, and my axe. <laughs> Melena's so happy about it, too. So Tiara is <laughs> about to be like, hey, I also chose innovator as my race at, uh, character creation. But Sumeragi stops him and he's like, hey, you're one of us. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We do have to worry about that Death Star they have, though. Besides, where would we find a fourth person to drive your big-ass Gundam anyway? 
I do find it really funny that when characters are being serious, they say the entire full name of whoever they're talking to in this show. It's even funnier because they're not their real names. I know. (laughs) They're code names. I didn't even think of that. I mentioned this because Tiri is like, Sumaragi Lee Noriega. Thank you. (laughs) Cut to Sheeran in a hallway. Is this the brooding hall? I don't think this is the brooding hall. I think it is, because it's right outside the daycare center. Also, she's brooding I don't feel it. like the brooding hall is right outside the daycare center. It was earlier, yeah. What was it? Yeah, that's where Tiaria uh, turned the brooding hall into the Hall of Judgment, um, <laughs> specifically for Saji. But her brooding is interrupted by music that Marina is playing on the piano for all the kids. That is a really small piano. It's future, Zach. Everything is smaller. It also doesn't have any pedals. It's I mean- the future, Zach. Everything is smaller. <laughs> I was going to say, it could just be like, you know, a cheap piano. Then we get my runner for low point, if nobody else takes it before me. The scene where Nana is like, hey, can you tell me anything that's going on, chun Lei?" And she's like, no, I'm too much of a bitch. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> and Nana's like, what the fuck does that mean? And she's like, yeah, it just means you're not special, so fuck off, lady. And Nana's internal dialogue is, why am I with her again? <laughs> she's helping the people who killed my brothers. And she's a bitch. <laughs> Good scene. <laughs> why are you with her right now nana like, I, why haven't you left i assume it's because what is nana gonna do with her skill set and her background of was murder pilot uh, join the a-laws apparently <laughs> oh, yeah that's a good point actually well she was in a gundam though the, the a-laws hate gundams i mean they took in saches no he works directly for the innovators okay that's fair and chun li pays a lot look I hate my boss, but the healthcare. It's so hard to get healthcare. And she gives me, I get dental and vision and body regeneration. Oh, I just had to do the, my benefits last week. She has a brutler to do all the paperwork for me. The greatest benefit of all. <laughs> so we cut to the ALA's space forces. And Cotty is like, hmm, how are we going to find celestial beings hideout? Then Revive shows up on the bridge and is like, don't worry, we have our ways. I'm just going to use this brand spanking new technology. What is it? It is known as a pager. (laughs) (laughs) We cut to the ALA's mobile suit locker room. Ready room. This is the word I want. Zanin is like, hey, Halavi, how's it going? Are you going to go into a spastic coma attack? Have a seizure. That's the words I wanted. Are you going to have a seizure while we're piloting mobile suits? And And Louise is like, nope, I'm good. Anyway, I can't help but notice that photo of that hot girl in your locker. Is that your wife? And he's like, it was until she was killed by Catheron. Okay, man, you got to be careful here. This sounds an awful lot like uh, characterization for you. You've been around for a little while. Now you're getting characterized. I think your episode count is running out. To be fair, it would be worse if he's like, yeah, next week I'm getting some R&R and we're going to go on our honeymoon. (laughs) I'm only a a few days away from retirement. Yeah. At least his wife is dead. Did you like the piano? (laughs) No, that's Marina. I do find the detail that his wife was killed by Catheron weird. Like, is that misinformation that he's been told? Did she actually get attacked in some sort of terrorist action? I mean, I feel like either is equally plausible, so... I guess he's not important enough for it to matter. Yeah, also that. Also, like, why was Catheron actually doing? Because so far from what we've seen, they haven't done anything besides engage the A-laws directly. But if she was also in the military, then it's a possibility that she was killed in action. Or if they're blowing up a military base or something. And if she was with the A-laws, she probably deserved it. Just saying. I mean, Zenin definitely deserves it from what we've seen him do. There's actually a personality test you have to take to get into the A-laws. How did Andre get in Andre seems fine. Uh, he's oh, a- he hates his dad so much he was able to fake it. <laughs> <laughs> and Louise h- hates Gundam so much she was able oh, to fake it. Oh, she got to it. skip the test because she's rich. So <laughs> She paid her way in? Yep. So the innovators launch and are like, good tactics for a human Cotty Monikin. And Cotty's like, I came up with the idea of putting cloaks on Jinxes. So we cut back to the test room where Lock-On is hanging out with a new. Being like, he's trying to uh, flirt with the new. And he's like, Cool new systems you built for my Gundams. Anyway, is the O-Razor ready to go? And she's like, no, we did do a test on it, but Ian Vashti needs to make some mechanics checks on the Ptolemaeus before it can be used in battle. It has to be adjusted to the Double-Ots Trans-Am system. Isn't that what the (laughs) test was for? I mean, maybe the tests showed that needed adjustments, but... 
it seemed like the test went beyond their wildest expectations. So but maybe that's be- why it needs adjustments because they're like, I don't know what the fuck that was. I was going to say, but it could be better. So Lockin's like, well, I guess this is goodbye. I wish I got some more to spend more time talking to you. You're over 14. And I like that about you. <laughs> <laughs> over 14 and not drunk. Well, and also, I think as a real point, the only person who doesn't have associations with his brother. True. I guess Milena doesn't, but he doesn't well, necessarily Milena, know Milena seemed to have at least tangential. Rela- I, I would believe that Milena would have some kind of relations with his brother because of the fact that she knew Sumeragi and the others. So it would make sense for her to know the original lock-on. Or at least know of him. Like, at the very least, I could see them telling stories about him, right? So well, I mean, pre- this, this is, what, like, four years? Yep. So she would have been ten. So she might have met him, like, once or twice, but because she was such a young kid, she didn't spend any lo- time around him just with the horror so he was like actually it isn't goodbye because i'm good at everything and you need a helmsman on your ship i'm gonna be joining the ptolemaeus as your helmswoman slash chef slash ian's assistant slash doctor slash doctor slash ginsu knife slash slash hot person apparently <laughs> they have sumeragi for that you can always use another i was gonna say also lasse sumeragi is the eye candy for the men Lasse is the eye candy for the women. That's how it works. Since they don't have Sergey on board. <laughs> <laughs> Took you a second there, didn't I you, just, Like, it was such a wild left turn. Um, but hey, he's an Arctic fox. He's so. he's the bear of Russia. The wild bear. <laughs> 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 I was trying to come up with some sort of sexy bear innuendo. And it's just, there's not a lot, but... Oh, how did you know the name of the next innovator? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, except the, the, the problem is uh, that innovator's name is spelled B-A-R-E, so it's just like naked innuendo. No, it's B-H-E-R, like, like the paint. <laughs> so Lockin's like, ooh, I'm very glad to hear that. Maybe now I can also have a girlfriend. I mean, Alleluia found one on an island. Thierry, I'm pretty sure, was going out with Veda. He said it's complicated. Uh, what he actually meant by that is the encryption scheme is complicated, but... <laughs> cut to revive who's like respond to me and he's eyes do the quantum brainwave thing and then so soma has like a flash and is like who the fuck is doing quantum brainwaves around here because they're not <laughs> aimed at me and this really like we we went on in a previous episode about how like we wanted the soma marie thing to make more sense and that seemed a much more soma than marie yeah so revive is like enemy base located Sending coded messages to our ships. And so Lockhead's like, hey, Anu, shouldn't we be making our way to the bridge while Anu's just staring off into space? And she's like, oh, yeah, let's do that thing. And Lockhead's like, you must be nervous. And she's like, yeah, Ian really sold me. And I don't think I've ever backed anything this big out of a... And I'm only a human. I'm only human. I'm definitely a human, if anyone asks. (laughs) I have the humanist name. (laughs) We get a shot of the bridge where... Everybody who's on the bridge right now, which is Felt, Sumeragi, and Lasse, and they're all in their spacesuits, importantly to note here. And Sumeragi's like, hey, how long until we're resupplied? And Felt's like, I don't know, 32 minutes? So Sumeragi's like, hey, everybody, this is an announcement. As soon as we leave in 32 minutes, get the hell out of this asteroid base. Specifically, <laughs> everybody who's not assigned to the Ptolemaeus. So we get a shot of the... There are indeed more people on this base than we have been shown previously. Yeah, which I actually kind of like. I'm like, Celestial Bean has to have a massive support network, right? For I, all the shit they do? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I really like this as well. And it also makes a new joining them feel less random, in a way. It's super weird to me that through Miragi's like, Oh, by the way, I forecasted that you all need to leave now. Bye. <laughs> uh it kind of tracks to me with sumeragi being like this base is probably compromised based on everything that we've been dealing with so far so everybody needs to get out yeah it's just because the innovators find it in a weird way this seems like a good time to have them get one up on sumeragi right like what information is she using to be like everybody abandon ship they were kind of being chased into this asteroid field. yeah remember bring stabity attacked them when they were coming in here that's true you know, I also feel like uh, Tiaria mentioning the innovators to her is probably also part of what is driving this because they don't know precisely what they can do. And because they have access to Veda, that might have given them the information of where Lagrange 3 is as well. So Milena and Ian say goodbye to their wife, Mom. 
Why isn't she just going with them? Uh, she needs to build more support mecha for them so they can have stuff for the finale, Zach. They need ah. more play sets and toys. Got it. That makes perfect sense. But then uh, Saji is talking to Setsuna, and Saji is like, I'm going to stay on the Ptolemaeus because I'm a main character, and that's where everyone who's named is supposed to be. And Setsuna's like, yeah, checks out. I'll see you later, probably with the double O-Riser. Just the O-Riser? The O-Riser. Sorry, it's new. Anyway, <laughs> bye. Well, anyway, we're under attack now. Don't you see that Star Trek shaking? And their asteroid is being bombed. So Lockon runs to his Gundam, Anu runs to the bridge, and Felt is like, hey, we're being attacked early. By uh, missiles from three different directions. And Cotty's like, keep firing, assholes. As soon as we smoke <laughs> out the enemy ship, we're going to switch to the mission plan. This time, I will definitely outsmart Lisa Cujo. And then we don't get Nightcatch. Because this is her definite rivalry. And like, th- yes, everyone else had a rival. I wanted one too, and now I have one. Hello, friends. It's episode 36, the one where a bunch of unnamed staff members inside a celestial being get blowed up. Some of them live. Some of them probably live. Hallelujah, it's a miracle. Anywho, hey, thanks for listening this week. What's going on? Well, a new episode of What's a Gundam went up on our Patreon. Um, not a whole lot. I don't know if you've been paying attention to our Discord chatter, but we're trying something a little bit more ad hoc with our game days. To make it less of a formal event and more of a, hey, let's just drop in and play some video games. See how that works for a while. I might try to force people to play board games with me sometime even. I don't know. I'm crazy like that. But yeah, I don't know that I have a whole lot else to say. You know, usual plug stuff. If you feel like supporting the show, head on over to our Patreon.com slash podcasts. And for $5 a month, you get access to all of our episodes early in addition to all the bonus episodes I always talk about. Or you can join our Discord and just kind of hang out with us. Or just tell someone about our podcast, which helps a surprising amount. I'll leave you with the thought of, imagine what it's like for two sentient machines to be docking with each other. Anywho, back to the episode. Now we understand why they showed us the shots of Celestial Being having a support network. So people can die while they are evacuating and under attack. Although, to be fair, it looks like more people succeed in evacuating than they succeed in exploding. So everybody who is not currently going to be driving a Gundam or Ian <laughs> arrives on the bridge. So Saji and some are like, okay, I guess we're going to sit in the uh, in the bitch seats again. Who's your favorite pilot for Ian, Tyler? Wait, my favorite? <laughs> <laughs> what did I say? You said everyone who's not driving a Gundam or Ian. <laughs> <laughs> I feel well, like I needed to insert a verbal comma there somewhere. Well, I prefer the canon pairing, which is with Linda, obviously. <laughs> so Anu takes over as the Ptolemy's new helmsman, and Loss is like, great, now I can concentrate on doing the shooty shoots. So Sumerog is like, all right, stop loading shit and we're launching. We'll tank. It's really weird to me that given the giant like staff they had at this asteroid, they couldn't have sent a helmsman any time in the last four years. Yeah, it seems like they would have picked one before they headed out, right? I guess they were just heading out to go get sets in it, though. Well, yeah. no, they headed out a second time to well, go get Hallelujah, right? That was when they were last year. And and even in the interim, they could have just, like, sent a pilot at any point after they started being active again. It's all IT. All they have is IT. <laughs> I, mean, I can I, drive a ship. Well, well I feel like <laughs> this is a situation hmm. where... Like, they didn't have the people at this particular base who were qualified to the degree they felt they needed to pilot the Ptolemaeus that weren't Lasse. So the Gundams launch, and Setsuna's like, Ian, what's my cool new toy status? And Ian's like, I don't know, I need to do a few more rolls on it. Let's see, it's uh, gonna be about five minutes. So like, hallelujah, you stop being in this episode and you be on escort duty. And we see that the Arios is docked with the gun archer. As he runs around and does some flips and shit to escort everybody out of the base. Deploying the gun field. Do you think the Ptolemaeus has a backup camera? Yes. I think it has several. And then the asteroid explodes on the Ptolemaeus' way out. Well, of course it did, because as soon as they left, it uh, removed the little stopper that was preventing the asteroid from exploding. So, Katia is like, oh, everybody launched, so switch to mission plan SA-77. And we see a bunch of jinxes and in a head that were wearing capes. <laughs> Stealth capes. <laughs> Apparently. I assume, actually, okay. I assume I they assume, can't watch for space. I yeah. assume it's just a matter of blocking their thermal emissions. That's what the capes were for. 
I don't, um, sensors don't work in the presence of GN fields, and presumably this thing is producing a lot of GN. Communications don't work in presence of GN fields. No, no, we've also seen barely much everything be cut off radar. Uh, Well, and the, the thing with communications is that they are infrared radiation, and therefore all other infrared radiation would probably be affected similarly. I just really like that they're wearing capes, which is dumb. I actually really like the shot of the Jinx's eyes coming into focus. We are I mean, told they cloak their heat sources, so. And there's 12 of them, and they send Setsuna in to go get them. So from their perspective, they're the Dirty Dozen. So Setsuna does pretty well immediately on there. He he aces one right off the bat. But then Patrick Colasar is like, we also have a tactical forecaster, and I have a crush on her, so lightning grenade. And Setsuna is like, why is everybody trying to microwave me? <laughs> <laughs> so Setsuna gets lightning grenaded and is out of the fight. So Sumerog is like, Tiaria, blow them up with your giant-ass cannons. And Tiaria is like, giant-ass cannons, ready to fire. (laughs) (laughs) And he shoots them. But there's a Bring Stabity in the way who deflects them with his cool shoulder shield, hidden in a fake illusion asteroid. It's actually a pretty cool idea. I mean, it's kind of a cool idea, but man, this season, Tiaria's been getting his ass consistently kicked. He has not been having a great time, yeah. And so Sumeragi's like, oh, only Colonel Manic could come up with tactics this good. But and then uh, Lasse is like, I'm going to launch missiles because, <laughs> and fire everything. I've got a gun button now. I'm going to use it. I feel like he had a gun button before. He just wasn't able to use it the best off. But there are reinforcements that jump lock on as he tries to protect the Ptolemaeus. They are wave attacking them, which is not usually a good idea. Sumeragi is like, these tactics won't stop me. And Kadi's like, what about these tactics? I have a Gadessa and an Innovator and a giant-ass cannon that can snipe you from an asteroid away. And then it happens and yeah. blows up Hangar 3. Of it the blows t- through Hangar 3. Yeah. Yeah, that's a more accurate way to describe it. It doesn't blow it up. It just shoots a hole through it. Yes, through Man. the GN field. We just fixed that. And that's where Ian is. And so Sumeragi's like, hey, Saji, can you go see if Ian's okay? I could send Mary. She's way more competent, but we might need her for something. So can you go? <laughs> it's not like we need you for anything right now. And so she's like, oh, yeah, good point. What? And then leaves. Well, he, he's kind of confused as to why exactly she's asking him. And then Sumeragi is like, dude, I need you to check on if the one, if one of the only people who's been really nice to you on board this ship is okay. So go do it. Um, I was going to say it's just her subtle way of uh, getting him vented into space so that they don't have to deal with him anymore. So speaking of Tiaria getting his ass kicked, Bring Stabity is grappling him with his Garazo, which is, as we know, a, sort of a close combat model, and it is overpowering Tiaria's big boy mobile suit. He should have used the extra arms. Yeah, the arms in his shins that we saw him use against Alia Sacha, that apparently he has forgotten exist. We cut back to Setsuna, who's finally made his will save and destroys these lightning grenades. Setsuna's <laughs> sick and tired of being microwaved. But before he can get back to the ship, the Zenin team, including Luis and Andre, show up. To attack him. And he's like, oh no, three characters with names. They can probably put up a fight against me. But then we cut back to Saji, who's entering Hangar 3, which has a big fucking hole in it. Luckily, the Haro goes first to show him that he's not going to be sucked into the vacuum of space. And he sees Ian, who is bleeding and unconscious. So not great. But but alive. He has not been exploded. So he's alive. And, and he, he has finished all the adjustments on the O-Riser. So apparently there weren't that many that he needed to fix. I was thinking he was just playing phone games for the last five minutes, being like, hey, I'll contact them in a minute. He's like, Saji, I've woken up to tell you to take the O-Riser to Setsuna. It seems like sending Mari to do this would be far more intelligent, because she's far more competent than you. And Saji's like, you're right. I guess I'm going to go pilot a ship, though. Ian's like, don't worry about me. We'll all die if you don't do this. Don't believe in yourself. Or me. <laughs> <laughs> but if you don't do this, we all die. Take the Haro. Let the Haro pilot it. <laughs> oh, that's what actually happens the Haro's driving. <laughs> it explains so much, actually. So Mary shows up and is like, hey, I decided I should probably be here. Because of how incompetent you are at stuff like this, Saji. So Saji's like, take him to sickbay. I have a mission now. Come on, Haro. And Mari is like, do you, do you want oh, me to do that? actually manned up. <laughs> this is new. That's a great, like, great, proud of you, Saji. Do you want me to pilot that, though? <laughs> Seriously, do you want me to do this instead? But then he calls the bridge and is like, hey, I'm taking the O-Riser. And- I really like uh, Lasse's reaction. He's like, you're in it? <laughs> like, you managed to get it open? And so Sumerang is like, well, I guess have Tiari unlock on cover him. 
So Lasse has the obvious, wait, you're actually going to let him do that? Well, I mean, he's already in it, and we do kind of need that thing to hook up to Setsuna. Mannequin won't be able to see this coming, on account of it is some shonen-ass bullshit. And so Kadi's like, how long until the Gadessa can fire again? And like, 52 seconds, ma'am. And she's like, ha, checkmate, Cujo. Humans can't avoid fighting. That's why we became tactical forecasters, you dummy. Eliminating war is nothing but a fantasy. And so Setsuna resorts to a squirrel tactic of running around this asteroid. To be fair, the double O has to be a lot more maneuverable than these things. So Saji goes right through for the double O. And Andre's like, hey, I guess we should blow up that fighter. Is that a fighter? <laughs> anyway, we should probably blow it up. And Setsuna's like, wait, Ian is bringing me this O-Riser? Wait, Saji, the fuck are you doing? And so Saji's like, hey, uh, Ian told me to bring this. And Setsuna's like, all right, get tie. So she's like, what What does that mean? And Haru's like, don't worry, I got your back. <laughs> and so she's like, the hell? <laughs> and Andre's like, I'm not going to let you combine. But then Setsuna kicks him. And then and he just kind of like throws his dagger towards Luis. Like, I, I like the way it spins, but it just kind of looks and goes, uh. <laughs> well, it looks kind of more like he's tossing it to throw off her aim, not really do any kind of damage to buy himself the time to dock with the O-Riser. So there's a docking sequence that I do think is pretty cool and mechanical, especially the Guren Lagan ass hell bit where the red gem in the Gundam's head lights up and says double O riser. And now it's got three drives or something. No, it's just two drives that work gooder. Well, I mean, doesn't the, oh no, the, uh, the O riser doesn't actually have a GN drive. And Setsuna is like, all right, cool. Everything is working. Now I'm going to gun the engine. And this is one of those weird shots. Like, Shouldn't Saji be being pushed out of his chair because he is docked backwards with the riser or with the double lock Gundam, which means if Setsuna is accelerating forward, that means Saji would be being pushed in the opposite direction. You're right, except there's only one explanation for this. Something's wrong with the G diffuser. <laughs> Tyler, the GN diffuser. <laughs> Something's what wrong with the that? gun. That's not even a thing. Something's wrong with the gun diffuser. <laughs> So Setsuna tries spinning. That's a good trick. There's actually a very good bit I like where he goes around an asteroid and laps Zenin, who is chasing him, to get behind tactics. him. And he's like, hey, Saji, we're going to murder this guy together of our own free will. That cool with you? And Saji's like, I'm not really crazy about it. Setsuna's like, I did just slice him in half, so that was cool. <laughs> well, I warned him about mentioning his dead wife. That was characterization. So Luis starts crying and does an atherin. Okay. As a human reaction, it is not terribly surprising that Luis starts crying over this. As a characterization slash narrative reaction, what motivation does she have to care at all about this guy he, who has he, mostly been a dick to her? He, he's kind of looked out for her. Like, in that first battle there they were together, he's like, hey, good job. And he's the one who grabs her when she has that breakdown at in the first battle. At most, he's been indifferent. Like, That's he hasn't her. been actively hostile to her. He also actively, after their first sortie, is like, why are you in the military, you invalid? Okay, bye, I'm leaving the locker room now. He, he, he didn't thought say that. that. He didn't say that. Yeah, he, did not sp he did not say those words to her. I'm pretty sure he said those out loud on his way out, and Luis reacts to them. No, I'm pretty sure he reacts to them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he says it after she's okay. like, in a different room. So that's the end of the episode, but wait, there's more. Uh, this is pretty important. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, this is a very interesting uh, after the credits scene. It's also the first scene of the next episode. So, Oh, okay. I do think it works better as a what the hell is going on type scene, but it's important enough that they make sure you don't miss it. So Setsuna is like, yeah, I murdered that guy. Good murder. We did, Saji. Fresh off of killing the captain. And the Haro's like, hey, there's more coming for us. And Setsuna's like, all right, I'm going to go find another named character to ace. And he's like, a bring stabity. I better use the Trans Am. <laughs> Which requires two buttons specifically to activate. So his Gundam starts glowing red and the two engines start making bigger and bigger twin O's behind him. Which then sends him into <laughs> whatever the fuck this is. This is one trippy ass world he's fallen himself into so in classic gundam tradition it's a bunch of naked teenagers floating in space but in a new twist they're like in the positions they're in in the real world so setson is just like squatting on a chair that's not there <laughs> holding two like joysticks <laughs> that are not there and so is saji saji's grabbing on here. for dear life to the nothing yeah and, and they're then they're back to back as their machines are 
and they like, uh, they can hear voices of everyone here apparently. And Sashi's like, "Hey, is that Luis yelling about Gundams?" And so he sees a naked Luis sitting nearby. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, I've imagined this exact scene so many times." <laughs> that and, position and everything. And she can apparently also hear Saji. And Saji's like, hey, Luis, why are you in a mobile suit? And she's like, hey, Saji, why are you here? Are you in that Gundam? A motherfucking Gundam? And, and Saji is like, it's a very long story. You are with Alaz, are you? And Luis is like, you're not with the Gundams, are you? And the episode ends with them staring at each other. And then we cut back to the real world where we see that the two O's that fall out of the thrusters of the double O Gundam have made a giant infinity symbol around the battlefield. And it ends on them both calling out, what are you doing here? Wild ending. I love this. In my head, this is what the end of the original Gundam was. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be pretty good. (laughs) It's weird how Shonen double O is and how Evangelion it is in some ways, but it still feels very Gundam. So yeah, I like this episode quite a bit. I think the action finally works. We get the thing it did earlier where we have a first half all build up and the second half is all very nice action. I think it does a pretty good job of that as well. Yeah, I honestly don't have a lot of complaints to levy at this one. It's pretty good. I really like the dumb scene where Setsuna races around the asteroid also. Like I was watching that. I'm like, is he just going to lap him? And then he does. And it's rad. It's a cool showing of it makes the double O riser feel better than the double O in a good way. Because that's before it even goes Trans Am. It's just like that much faster, which is that much faster that it just caught him on a clean line. Yep. Do you have a high point, Tyler? Oh, boy. I don't even know. I like kind of want to do this dumb after the credits sequence because that's super fair. It's so wild and bizarre. And I really like what. But it's foreshadowed by the previous after the credits episode, right? It doesn't feel like it came out of nowhere. But it's not what you expected either, I imagine. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's wild and bizarre, but not like totally out of left field. It's mostly like, this has bonkers implications that, given what this show has been doing so far, makes me think that the show is actually going to address some of those implications, which I'm kind of interested to see what it does with those. Zach? I think I have to go with uh, Saji taking out the O-Riser to Setsuna, because it's him making a clear decision and acting on it. It's actual character development Granted, for Saji. I mean, he's Ian kind did, of forced into it, but... Ian does tell him to go, but like he doesn't really argue about it or anything like that. He just grabs the Haro and goes. And that's character moving forward at least like he is making a choice to and following through well i I think it's also a logical progression of stuff we've seen him thinking about and like coming to terms with over the past few episodes he wants to help this is something that needs to be done and it's something he can do to help i really like saji's character arc over this series or over the second half of this series so far where he's gone from like i hate these people for what they did to me and my friends and slowly come to realize, like, oh, maybe they are more complicated than I thought. And then accidentally doing the same thing he's been blaming them for and coming to terms with that. Like, I don't know. It's it's just good character progression. I think both of yours are better than this. But I'm going to go with seeing Celestial being support staff. Because that adds stakes to the fight and also makes it feel like their home getting destroyed, like, has a meaning. It makes it feel, like, a lot more lived in and real than I feel like. Like, Celestial Bean has been such an abstract entity we outside. We see so much more of them than we ever saw of the factory, right? Exactly, Or even, like, yeah. the Klein faction. Because it was just, like, a nebulous organization which had a ship and a few Gundams. And with showing the staff, like you said there, Jeremy, it actually makes this feel more like an organization and not just this one rogue ship. It also, like, it makes sense that, like, seeing how they're set up, that if Sumeragi makes an announcement over the intercom that says, hey, leave, everyone's like, oh, she's our best tactical forecaster who's positioned on our one ship. We should probably listen to her. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I think that uh, about the opening scene where Ollie and the innovators are just watching laser on TV, <laughs> just that whole scene is interesting. I do kind of like the, the Chun-Li moment we have in that same scene. But also, they don't ex- expand upon it or elaborate on it at all. So, Zach, here, hallelujah, hop on this bus. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> and just leave this episode. We don't need you. It's cool that they send somebody to escort their ships, it, but it's very much you go over there, hallelujah. You're not a character anymore. I mean, it may it does make sense because you would want somebody to guard them, and he's the one that can you know kind of 
go out, guard them, and then get back. But at the same time, he doesn't get to do like nothing attacks them. Nothing it's, happens. He just leaves. Like it's a sound tactical decision, but also like it's not very interesting narratively. Because we um, don't see them being attacked, yeah. right? If we saw like him destroying some Alaz mobile suits or if to he, clear if they, the way. If they sent him over there specifically because they were coming under attack. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure who my favorite Gundamizer in the second season of Double O is. Probably Setsuna. And then it's a very close toss up between Tieria and Alleluia. For second place. Yeah, so. like, new Lock-On just feels so like he's there, right? Which, like, is okay, I think, because he's just, like, from a, like, narrative perspective, he is just some guy who is there right now. But it feels like they're wasting potential, right? That's and, and, fair, yeah. And this is a thing that I feel like just watching through Double O the first time, you don't notice because it's not like he's bad. It's just like he hasn't had much to do, right? Well, yeah. I mean, he also hasn't had an episode to focus on him or as all the other pilots have. Well, like, like, got his got the focus episode with him and Mari, and obviously Tiaria had the episode where he went to the party and dealt with all of that stuff. Well, like, his whole thing is that he's a member of Cateron, and, like, it would be way more interesting if he had some sort of conflict about that. But Cateron and Celestial Bean have pretty much been in alignment every time they've, like, come into contact with each other. Yeah, so there's, like, he has no divided loyalties. Yeah, which is what you do with spies. You give them divided loyalties. That makes it interesting. Yeah, mine is going to be Chun-Li and Nana, and Nana being like, why do I work for you? And Chun-Li said, because I'm a bitch and I don't pay you to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not great. I didn't take that one because I knew you were planning on taking it, and the Alleluia one bugged me a little more. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? This feels like a hard one for this episode. It super is. I think it's got to be Saji, actually. he like In addition to doing something useful and driving the plot forward, it's also, like, I really like seeing this as, like, a continuation of his character arc and, like, him putting the thoughts he's been having into action. Zach. Saji, for basically what Tyler just said, he's moving forward in his character arc and he drives the climax of this particular episode here by taking the riser out to Setsuna. There's part of me that wants to pick someone else because I feel like it's a very dense episode and a lot of characters get to do things. But it's not Setsuna, right? Setsuna is important to this episode, but basically what he does is fly around an asteroid and stab a guy. The yeah. thing is, like, Setsuna enables what Saji does. Like, but he's Setsuna... the supporting, he's the Robin for this episode. Yes. He's incredibly important. Don't underestimate him, but Saji's the MVP. I, like, maybe Kadi for driving a lot of the, like, antagonistic action? Yeah, but she's not the MVP, right? That's like, Because we... we don't need her for that, right? That could have just been the enemy. That, that could and have it, just been Arthur Goodman, too. Like, that's it didn't fair, yeah. necessarily need to be Cody Monica. And that it is Cody makes the episode better, but it's not MVP. Yeah. Like, I don't know that there are a lot of strong choices. Like, there are other characters who do stuff, but I don't think any of them are quite yeah. as strong. Yeah, I just wanted to express the yeah. idea that, like, I feel like I we should not be unanimous, but I think it is. Anything else we want to say about this episode? It's good. It's a, like, it's clear new direction. It's a good pivot point. It feels both like we've just started and like we're about to end. One else kind of does feel a little bit like that. I will say, I think Saji is raking in some MVP votes the last couple of weeks. Like, I think he's got like six or seven the last couple of episodes, which is weird because like he he does I think not he had one in the first season. Yeah, well, because it didn't do a whole lot. Like, and I think that one was probably for like a comedic. Oh no, is uh, for his reaction in the hallway in the hospital, right? Well, um, it, it's like I've said before, Saji is the shitty team. I so, guess it's stopped. So, yeah. All of that kind of gets put on him. Setsuna gets a little, Alleluia gets a little. But it's really, Saji is the one who is growing and changing because of this. Th those characters have all pretty much figured out who they are and what they're going to do. Yeah, and that's actually why I mentioned that I have a hard time deciding who my favorite Gundamizer is. Like, as a character, like, as just, like, a person, I think Setsuna is still my favorite, but I find him less interesting as a character overall because, like, he has his shit figured out. Like, he's he more or less knows what he's doing and is doing it. He's quiet, but he's just a quiet guy. In yeah, I'm like, I like that about him as a character, and I liked that about him as a character with highly conflicted emotions in the first season, but, like, he's mostly figured his shit out by this point, so... Yeah, and Tiari has taken over a little bit of that, but also he's more mature than Setsuna was. So while well, he hymns and haws about telling them about the innovators, ultimately he does. Yeah. And it's not like too late. It's not after everything is hit the fan. Which is all very in character, but it's not like, you know, wild character growth or anything. Yeah. Anything else we want to say about this episode? It's good. 
yeah, I'm very interested to see where the series goes after that ap- end of the because, like, I w- this is not how I was expecting this episode to conclude. Yeah, but that's why I always ask you, like, where do you think this is going? Because, well, how could I have seen? You, yeah, no, I know, but like, how does your expectation contrast to? what is actually happening is interesting, which is why I want to ask you, where do you think this is going? But I think you're going to say, ah, I mean, the, and that is the, actually the Evangelion the, lens. I, I, yeah, I really feel like it's Evangelion. E like part of me kind of wonders if this was actually Shinberg's the plan, the entire lawn, because nothing stops more better than having this giant human psychic assault where everyone feels each other's pain. And even if it's not, it certainly is thematically resonant with stuff. Gundam double. Like you said, it feels set up in a lot of weird ways. Yeah. So with all that said, it's a Gundam will return in Wait for Me in Space. <laughs>